Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. This is your host, Brendan Lemon. Brendan, hammer of the gods, Lemon. And let me say to you guys straight off the bat, a Merry Christmas, if you're into that. If you're into that persuasion, if you're under the Christian or semi-Christian persuasion, and uh, everybody, regardless, I should say Happy New Year because this is the next episode. This is the last episode we're going to do for 2017, and the next time you're going to be hearing my voice in a new episode, it will be 2018, and uh, hopefully the world uh, will be a better place that year. Uh, Hopefully the world will be okay. And uh, we'll see, I suppose. (laughs) That's been my motto for this entire year. 2017 has just been a giant. Hey, we'll see how this works out. Not really sure what's going to happen. You know, we'll see how this goes. Then Trump is elected and all kinds of stuff happens. And, oh, boy, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy year. Wow, podcast starting off on a negative note this week, apparently. (laughs) I feel like 2017 is the year that killed optimism. You know, 2016, we could you could be an optimist because you could go. The world will get a if you you could believe in Hillary Clinton. You could believe in a lot of stuff that's happening. You could say the world is going to be a better place. And 2017 just crushed all your dreams, man. Charlottesville, uh, Donald Trump, everything. Nothing that happened this year would I. You could count on one hand the number of things that this year that happened that were good. Uh, yeah, my buddy Matt Baker made a movie that was pretty cool. John Marmish, you heard him. He recorded uh, this episode uh, with me some weeks ago. He had a new book come out. Um, what else? Michael Taylor, he had a new book come out. I guess those things are all good. I went to Edinburgh. So the the progress that's been made this year has been personal, not social. That's <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. What is going on in your neck of the woods? Actually, write a review. Put it in your review. For this episode. Uh, By the way, I should say right off the bat, the greatest Christmas present you could give me if you're listening to my voice on this episode right now is going to iTunes and giving this podcast a five-star rating uh, and writing a review. That would be positive. Um, I know those things will be made up because you're probably going to be like, this is one one star. This is a man who's not censoring any of his thoughts. One star. (laughs) This is what happens if we didn't have a superego. One star. His thoughts are coming straight from his id and unconscious, going through his mouth and being communicated in the form of discursive language. One star. Uh, if you guys do like this, if you dig some of the interviews I have, if, you, uh, if you're if you listening to this, I would appreciate a, uh, a, a good review. That would be my Christmas present. We'll call it square. Um, we'll call it square. You can go give me uh, the five star review and then uh, a, a you know a little comment on the review talking about things you like and mention uh, what happened to you this year and what the progress has been. It, it's uh it's cool I think actually when you start to review I answered a question on Corley that actually before I go further let me say this because there's two things that come to mind that I want to talk about the first is um thank you very much for listening uh, we've had a lot of different people listening in recently that were are new. And I know that uh, because you came here from listening to Matt Baker uh, talk about his movie, which was super cool, or listening to John Marmish, uh, who is one of the nicest guys and a very cool philosopher who is doing work that really is meaningful and needs to be done. And um, if you came here from 
whatever source you came here from, I want to thank you for listening in. This is something that I started just kind of for fun, and it's really begun to take off a little bit, and I'm really enjoying that. It's really something that I enjoy doing, and uh, and and if you get any value out of it, that's that 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 actually is the Christmas gift for me is to hear that something that I'm doing in the world is valuable for for literally anyone else. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. So the thing that I want to say is, um, thanks for listening. And, uh, particularly I want to say thank you. If you came here from Cora, thank you. If you're here from India, I know we have some listeners from India and, uh, only a handful of you guys, but, uh, you mean a lot to me for coming here and listening to this and checking out probably from Cora. Some of the people who are listening in the UK, thank you as well. Our one Russian listener who's still listening, Vladimir V. Putin, uh, you know, buddy, you got the, you got, you pulled a fast one this year and, uh, and it's given me a lot of material for this podcast, I guess. So if you ever do want to do an interview, Mr. Putin, uh, I, I would do that. I would be very, um, <laughs> reluctant to fly to Russia and do that. Um, I will get my I will get my friend and comedian Oleg Denisov on this podcast though. I'm gonna reach out to him. He's a Russian comedian. I met him in Edinburgh, and he is a uh, he's a really good guy. I would I would highly recommend you go take a look at uh, what he's doing online. It's very cool. Um, and I want to give a special thank you to a handful of listeners on SoundCloud who are really cool people: James O'Leary, uh, Mason Pierre, Antonio D. Moyo Uleye and uh, Dende, who's a buddy of mine, and uh, I would highly recommend you check out his stuff too. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, really cool. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, where was I going earlier? Oh, what happened to you this year? Yeah, so here's the thing. I was reviewing this year on Quora, <clears throat> and I was checking out uh, what I did this year that really like made a difference, what moved the needle forward, what were things that were exciting. I forget the exact question on Cora, but it was, it was a unique one. And it was basically just asking about, you know, what did you do this year that really moved stuff forward? And, and here's what I think is cool. And here's what I realized this year. And it's not funny, but you can take it away, like, like anything I do here, but you can take it away for you and the rest of your life. When you uh, listen, or when you listen, when you listen to this podcast, you make yourself better. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Good, good job there, Brendan. When, when you do something, when you, when you take on a project, um, and it's something that you want to do and it's hard work and, uh, and it takes up time and energy and money like, uh, many of my projects have right out of my pocket and you have to work to get the money, so it takes even more time. It's uh, it can be really frustrating, and and a lot of times, you don't necessarily see where it's going to go. You don't know if you're going to get a financial reward. You don't know if you're going to get some some form of satiety in your life to feel better about yourself and what you did. You don't even know. It's an act. It's really it's almost an act of faith, to be perfectly honest. It's it's almost a in a biblical sense. I mean, it's an act of faith. You know when? So all right. So uh, not to get all you know not to get all christian on you because it is that time of the year uh but you know the old one of the oldest stories uh, one of the stories about the origin of faith in the bible is the story of abraham and mount moriah and abraham uh, god tells abraham to take his oldest son isaac to the top of mount moriah and sacrifice him um and he doesn't know what's going to happen and it's weird because god has promised abraham in the story 
that he would be the father of many nations. So Abraham is very conflicted and confused as to why would God now say to take his only son and oldest son, Isaac, to the top of Mount Moriah and kill him, sacrifice him for, for God. Um, and so this is a very tr- confusing and troubling thing. And, and it's interesting because one of my favorite philosophers, um, Soren Kierkegaard, who's sort of a, an existentialist, and, and he is an existentialist. What do I mean sort of? He, that's, it, that's what he is. Uh, he talks about this book in Fear and Trembling, and the p- point that he makes with it is that faith is not faith is a struggle, and it's a struggle of doubt, and it's a struggle of confusion. And uh, and when in the end of the story, if you're not a Christian or not familiar with it, it's uh, it's and to be clear, I don't really know that I'm a Christian. I'm really an atheist, functionally, but. <clears throat> they get to the top of Mount Moriah, and God comes down and says to Abraham, "Hey, it's all good." Uh, just kidding. <laughs> just, just kidding, man. <laughs> We're just playing, playing a weird game of chicken with you and your kid here. Uh, turns out you don't have to sacrifice your son to me. I just was, it was just a test. Um, but you would have done it, which proves that you love me, which is really gives you a lot to understand about why Christianity is a strange religion right there. <laughs> You have to be willing to kill your only and oldest son for God, you fucking psycho. (laughs) It's basically... (laughs) People, here's the thing that's nuts about this. People hear that story and they're not like, and you want me to go every week to a place that teaches me to do more of this shit? (laughs) This is madness. (laughs) Why would anybody, you know what I mean? Why would anybody... Do you're going to learn more about this? St- oh, goodness. I mean, there's more that's going on. If you're listening to this and you're like, I'm a Christian and I know that it's in the New Testament, the new covenant with Jesus, and it's a new thing, and it's like Brendan's telling it. Okay, I get it. You know, I was also raised in the church. I know how it works. But yeah, uh, for a long time, that was like the best they had going. They're like, that's the father of faith. But here's the thing when you remove it from the idea that it's literally true, you hear some interesting things about it. Abraham didn't know that anything he was going to do was going to work out for anybody. And he was looking at sacrificing the thing he valued most in the world for the promise that something good might happen. And I think that when you're working on projects in your life, and I'm trying to really learn this lesson myself, and you don't know where those projects are going to go, and you don't know how they're going to work out, you really need to have faith that they're going to go somewhere and you may not see where yet but if you stay true and focused on what you're trying to do and and are truly willing to give the things that you value most to to that endeavor uh then you're going to be rewarded in 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 the god the universe uh life existentialism whatever is going to step in and say wait a minute you don't have to give that thing up or you're actually going to, the thing you're going to receive in the end is going to be more valuable than the thing that you're going to give up. Maybe the lesson is worth more than the money you paid for it. Or, you know, or who knows? And so I bring this up because this year's really taught me this lesson. So I spent <clears throat> a rid- really a ridiculous amount of money for, <laughs> for a guy like me. I mean, I'm 31. I was unemployed a lot. In the past, uh, my degree is in philosophy. We talked a little bit about that with John Marmish. 
I was homeless for a while because I really could not get a job. I mean, I grew up in Detroit and it was in a bad economy in 2009 when I graduated from college, had a lot of debt to pay back and uh, really could not get things to, to work uh, for a long time. So that being said, I finally got a good job in Chicago. Things are starting to work out, starting to make ends meet, starting to put cash away. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go to Edinburgh and do the Fringe Festival. And I pulled the trigger on it without knowing, one, that I could even get that time off from work. I was prepared to quit my job. Two, how much it was going to cost me. It cost me, I did not have the money to, to, to pay for it, but I knew that I would somehow get it. Um, and I was going to produce a show in Chicago and bring over a bunch of, uh, pardon me, uh, in Edinburgh of Chicago comedians. And I was going to bring over 15 Chicago comedians to do that show. And I didn't know how I was going to do any of those things. And I didn't know where it was going to lead me, but I was focused on, I just want to do this. This is something I want to do. And I went and did it. And it took me all year to get ready for it. I did 45 minutes of comedy a night, uh, every day for 28 days. I produced the Chicago showcase and 15 comedians come over. Uh, I paid all this money to help make that happen. And, uh, I was very happy that I did it. I was very rewarded in the end. I was not, I was certainly not financially rewarded, but I was rewarded with better friendships, better relationships with everyone. Um, I think a little bit more respect from other comedians in terms of me being able to get things done. And most importantly, the lessons of, I can organize this shit. I can make it happen. I can pull the trigger on projects and I can see them through. And the next step of that, and I want to tell you guys this, is that I've been speaking to some people in uh, New York about producing a New York comedy showcase in Edinburgh this next year. And that's maybe the next move for me into 2018 is potentially getting into the New York comedy scene and uh, and really heading over there to take the next step sort of in my career as a comedian. Um, I will talk about in this last week, I did some road gigs. That was another thing that was the next step in, in, <laughs> in my evolution as a comedian. Went to La Crosse, Wisconsin and Fifefield, Wisconsin. And if you don't know where those places are, don't worry, because uh, they don't either. Uh, it They are <laughs> so... They're out there. <clears throat> they're out there, buddy. So where am I going with this? I would have never been able to begin making relationships with people in New York, doing projects together with them, which is really how you, how you really get closer to to working with people if I had not jumped at the chance to try to make one of my projects happen and I didn't know where it was going to go and I accepted the idea that maybe it wasn't going to go anywhere but I wanted to work very hard at it and I don't necessarily think that you guys should do that in that way like I don't necessarily think that you guys should go try to don't try to jump into a project with the idea that it might not work out or go anywhere. I, I think that you should have an idea of where you are going and why the project you're working on fits into where you are going. But, you know, my desire was just to get more stage time and just to have more connections with with uh, Chicago comedians and to introduce those comedians to to sort of international comedy. And all of those boxes were checked. But I mean, the next step, the thing that you, you don't know is where, where is that going to lead? There's unknowns out there. And let's say, I don't know what your desire is, you know what I mean? You guys from the UK or India or anybody in the United States, <laughs> Middletown, Pennsylvania, apparently, 
is a town that listens to my podcast. Any of you guys from here from Cora or 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 whatever, you guys have there's things you want to do. I'm I'm talking to you right now, listener. And if if the thing holding you back is that you're like, well, I just don't really know where this is gonna end up. That's okay, man. You gotta just let those tree branches grow wherever they're gonna grow. Let those roots go in and weasel their way all over the ground, and eventually they might hit. You know, that'll be the they'll 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 hit something, and uh, you you can ride that for to wherever it goes. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I may be working with a handful of people in New York who are real movers and shakers, and people who have very cool talents and who are really making things happen in a number of different ways. I've already talked to a handful of them. And, uh, you know, and it's still up in the air, but it's cool that we now have that connection. That would have never happened if if I had never gone and did that and made that happen. So if you're thinking about it, just go ahead. Just foray into it. Don't be afraid. Um, Okay, enough there. We're already, we're way into this podcast already. And once again, we're already talking about things that I didn't necessarily think I wanted to talk about. Oh my God, these, this, I want to talk about Christmas, but before I even get into talking about my family Christmas, which was a real Donnybrook, uh, go look that word up, India. It'll be a good term for you. You will be so impressive if you use the word Donnybrook to somebody to describe <laughs> in conversation. Uh, they will be like, wow, you're, you, do, you truly know better English than I do. Anyway. Uh, I went on on the road with to Fightfield, Wisconsin. So there was this guy. Let me explain to you what the road is, first of all, for you non-comedians. So when you're in a city, uh, you have open mics. And I've t- described them before on this podcast, but they are where really where comedy goes to die. <laughs> they are they are not they're not fun. They're kind of a dance macabre in a sort of way of of comedy where each the room is full of you know, comedians who are all just waiting their turn and nobody, nobody is really there to be a, an audience member. Uh, it's all just comedians who are getting up and doing their material and trying out jokes and seeing what's funny and, and these things. Maybe every once in a while you get a handful of people who are actual audience members who are there to listen. <laughs> and, and you're always very thankful if, if any of them show up, which I think is, is kind of hilarious. Uh, so the next thing, though, is that if you're in a city, you have showcases. And these are intermittent. Sometimes they're, they're weekly, but they're mostly intermittent. And they do get a real audience. And they're really to showcase comedians. So you have a handful of really good comedians, and they push this on social media. And you've got tickets maybe that you sell, and you can get drinks. And it's a real it's an actual event. It's meant to be public-facing. It's supposed to be like, a, this is a great example of these comedians who are on these shows and here they are and and these are fun they 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 do draw crowds um of normal normal people and they're a good time and uh that is basically how that works so if you're in the city you can have a lot of exposure to different types of comedy and audiences are rather sophisticated because they'll go to uh, showcases and many people know some comedians and uh it's a it's a lot of fun and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to go check out your local comedy showcases because probably you'll be pleasantly surprised. And uh, and the comedians will be very happy that you're there and they'll really try to give you the best show. Um, but in outside of a city, there aren't really that many opportunities to see live comedy. So if you're, if you're living anywhere except a city, 
you probably only know comedy from like Netflix and Comedy Central. So there is uh, there's there's not a lot of etiquette or sophistication when it comes to comedians showing up and telling jokes. But because of that reason, there's a lot of opportunity for people to come and and tell jokes and actually get paid real money. Like that's something that can really happen. And that doesn't really happen in cities because the level of of competition in terms of things to do is so high. So it's like you could go see a comedy show or you could go see a band or you could stay home or you could go see an author give a talk or you could uh, go to a restaurant or you could go to any of the bars that are all, all around the street. So like basically what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of opportunity for people to do things that are alternatives to seeing comedy. But outside the city, there's not a lot of that at all. And so they don't rarely get comedy. So the idea that somebody is coming out to tell jokes is kind of interesting, especially if they have even somewhat of a name. So again, as a good example here, we, we went out to, you know, lacrosse, uh, and the local radio station just said, we're going to have a comedian. He's, he's a comedian and he's going to be out at piggies, (laughs) the restaurant in lacrosse, Wisconsin. So come on out. (laughs) And that was, that was it. And we got a hundred people in that audience. (laughs) But here's how this basically happened with me is that I had put together a handful of road gigs in Michigan, Western Michigan. So a four hour drive from Chicago. And, uh, later a guy named Jay Harris, who's a comedian, rather established road comic here in Chicago, went out and did the same venue. And they told him, oh, yeah, we know Brendan Lemon in Chicago. <clears throat> so when he went out there, he remembered my name and came back in the city and, and put together these road gigs in Wisconsin and shot me a message. And he was like, hey, man, do you want to come out and do these gigs with me and get you paid a handful of dollars, you know? And that's the attraction to comedians is that you actually get paid. You know, you barely get paid in the city, but people pay 10, 20 bucks sometimes, 15 bucks to go see a comic uh, do, you know, in Fifield, Wisconsin, because you're just, what are the chances? You just, you never even, you never seen one before. Why not? Let's go check them out. So I said, sure, I'll go, t- you know, do 30 minutes on stage with you, Jay. Now I, I need to explain to everybody and, and I need to explain how Jay Harris is seen in the scene because um, he was nothing but a nice guy. He was a super nice guy. Very nice to me, uh, very, you know, mentorly even, was trying to t- teach me lessons and things he had learned on the road because he knows I'm, I'm younger than him. He's 47. He's a comedian. And uh, he was just very nice. But it's so funny because I only rarely see him in Chicago. I'll go to these open mics and he'll come in. He'll try out material that does not work in front of a crowd of only comedians in their early and mid-20s. And then he'll leave. And that'll be his whole, that's Jay's whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> show up, do four minutes of material like it's no laughs, and then leave. So when he came to me and was like, "Hey man, you know, can I, can I come and do you? Do you want to do this with me?" I said, "Yeah, absolutely. One, I'm gonna get paid. Two, I'm gonna get the stage experience. Three, I get to see what Jay Harris looks like in front of an actual audience. And I had no idea if if he was gonna be hilarious or if." He was just going to horribly bomb for an hour. <laughs> I, 
I really had no, I had no idea what I was getting. I was like, I don't know what this is going to be. So like, again, and this is one of those things where I say, you never know where things are going to work out or where they're not. I had no idea if Jay Harris was going to bomb or do well or, or what my experience is going to be because a drive from Chicago. So here was the weekend. Friday, we had to leave right after work and drive straight out to La Crosse, Wisconsin, four and a half hours in the car. And we were going to get there at 8.30 and 8.30 p.m. and have to do comedy at 9 o'clock. So it was going to be a straight uh, straight off. And then the next day, we were going to go to Fifefield, Wisconsin, which is a four and a half hour drive from uh, La Crosse. <clears throat> but then there was going to be a six and a half hour drive back to Chicago from Flyfield, Wisconsin, which is northern Wisconsin, right up near the Michigan border. So I know some of you guys are out of the country. Here's here's what I, you need to understand. America is, is fucking enormous. <laughs> it's so big, man. It's just like, you know, it's so weird, too, because it's 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 yet, even though it's this big, it's still covered with all kinds of, like, people. So it's bizarre. We're driving through Wisconsin, going through these tiny little in the middle of nowhere roads and there's still houses and I'm like what do the people out here do what are they doing out here how do you even what do you have if you wanted to go to the store if you were like ah oh, man I gotta go pick up something from the store it'd be a two-hour drive there and a two-hour drive back god forbid you ever anything happens to you that you gotta call the police it'd be it'd be an hour and 40 minutes before anybody showed up they'd be speeding along just trying to get to you You'd probably have to airlift you if anything the police should have helicopters up there just flying around. They get you in 35 minutes. Oh, no, somebody robbed my house. I guess we're going to catch them as they get on the highway 20 miles away. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's enough to drive a man to drink anyway, which I will do presently. Oh, yeah, did you hear that? Uh, another shout-out to our unofficial sponsor of the program uh blake's mm, god that's delicious blake's hard cider made from real apples and armada michigan once again i'm drinking the black philip it's got a goat head on it and with red eyes and uh it was actually supposed to be already out of circulation they only have so many of these that they offer but i bought two cases of this shit because i love it that's how much I love it. Mmm. I love it. Delicious. Uh, I wish I could have. I should, probably should have brought some of that in a water bottle that I could have drank while uh, Jay Harris was driving the car. But Jay, as a seasoned Rhodes comic, is a very interesting guy. Because we're driving through this rural Wisconsin. I had really no idea what I was getting into. And uh, and Jay was a unique man because he'd been doing this for years. He started doing road gigs. Two years into him doing comedy, he's been doing them for 15 years. 15 years, man. 15 years. It's unbelievable. That's about as long as I've been doing comedy myself. I, I've hardly had any road gigs. Uh, I've, I've done a handful a year, but Jay does them most weekends, and he had all these strange and interesting rules. Like He was like, okay, number one, you get, you get to the hotel before you get to the venue. You check in. Rule number two, you have one coffee an hour before your show. Can't drink it right before your show. You get the jitters. You got to drink it an hour before your show. Rule number three: Don't smoke any weed until all the shows are done. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I don't really smoke weed, so 
again, not a moral issue, just not something I really do. I find that I have really bad allergic reactions to it. And uh, I get really paranoid a lot. And uh, I think I'm mostly too much of a control freak to do it. When I lived in Colorado, people would offer me weed all the time. And uh, every once in a while I would do it. I would pretty much always regret it. (laughs) I don't like a body high. It makes me feel super uncomfortable. Uh, One time I got high in a car driving through Detroit. And uh, felt like I had to, because I was, I had to, by the way, I was in a car full of people who, if I had not smoked that weed, would have had a real problem with me. So that was kind of unique. Anyway, I, I smoked this weed. I got a body high in Detroit and then I felt like I had to pee for like 45 minutes and I made them stop the car so I could run out literally into the bushes of some house and take a whiz. And I couldn't because I didn't have to. My body just didn't know what to do with those feelings. So it was like, you got to urinate, buddy. And uh, I was terrified. It's completely ridiculous. Because I was like, well, fuck, if I don't... And what if I do have to pee and I just can't? And then I get back in the car with all these guys who are real bruisers. And then I end up wetting my pants. I look like a fucking loser. Uh, little did I know I already looked like a loser, so there was really nothing to worry about. Well, okay. Anyway, so Jay Harris has this rule. He's like, you can't smoke, we can't smoke weed before, uh, until the shows are over. And it's a great rule, but I can see how a road comic, you know, maybe needs to develop that rule over time. He was very focused on work. He was a real professional, showed up, did the shows. And here's the thing, you guys, Jay Harris, who comes into open mics and fucking bombs, for, for four minutes doing material that other comedians are just, I mean, these 20-year-old comedians are just rolling their eyes at, crushed. Oh, my God, he crushed. The people of Fifefield, Wisconsin would have sucked his dick like he was a god. I'm telling you, he crushed. He crushed so hard. And he crushed in lacrosse, too. For an hour, he crushed. People were applauding, and they were... I mean, they were going nuts for this guy to the point where when he got off stage, it wandered over and they were like, oh, you're so funny. You're the f- we come to these all the time and you're the funniest comedian we've seen here. And he was like, oh, thanks so much. And he told me later, he's like, I have another rule, which is you don't talk to more than five people after a show. So we talked to five people. Other people wanted to talk to him. Sorry, you weren't one of the first five. Walked, <laughs> walked into the green room, grabbed his shit, left, left. That's how you got to be sometimes when you're a professional, though, ladies and gentlemen. You got to hold fast to your rules. Uh, and he did. Did great shows. I learned a lot from him. He has another rule. He said uh, you can only, you have 10 minutes when you stop. You got to have a fast pit. You need to have a fast pit. And by that he meant pit stop. You got to have a fast pit, man. I'm trying to tell you, you got to have a fast pit. You got to come in. You got to, you can't waste 30 minutes of road time. You have a 10 minute cutoff. If you didn't get done, in the first 10 minutes, what you were planning at the pit, you, it's too late. Got to move on. So we would stop, and he'd be like, I'm setting my watch. And I'm like, all right, dude, don't leave me behind, Jay Harris. I wouldn't do good, not at the Oasis on I-90 in Illinois outside of Chicago. It was, uh, it was a unique time. Um, his car was trashed, I will tell you that. Jay's a very nice man, but holy moly was his car trashed. And he is a germaphobe if I've ever seen one. He has a handful of uh, very small habits, which I thought were worthwhile to mention and were quite interesting. 
One was uh, his germaphobe habit. He carried tissue with him everywhere, touched no doorknobs, touched no buttons. He used the the <laughs> he used the tissue to cover the handle or or button before he pressed it. Uh, I found that extremely interesting because I I am a I have a similar quirk to a lesser degree. I can't touch. I try not to touch doorknobs. I try not to grab the whole doorknob or handle. I try to use knuckles or fingers or the side of my hand to twist a doorknob if I can. And uh, if I'm going to hit a button, I have to hit it with the back of my knuckle or the back of my knuckles. I don't I don't. I put, use my second knuckle on my middle finger to hit a button. I know that's a little bit weird, but when you encounter a guy who's wearing, who's carrying like construction paper to cover it and then press it, you're like, yeah, less weird. Feel more normal now. Uh, maybe con- compared to a normal person, uh, still a little strange, but compared to a strange person, a little bit normal. That's <laughs> that was my takeaway <laughs> from from being with Jay. Uh, and again, a lovely man with great uh, great comedy. We drove in the car for a while, and um, the other interesting quirk that he had was uh, he he really enjoyed asking questions like, okay, listen, we're like driving along. It's t- f- fucking, you know, 1130 at night. Still have th- three to four more hours to go before we get back to Chicago. All right, listen, let me ask you a question. Would you rather get eaten by a shark and he turns and he looks me in the eye, looks back to the road, looks back at me. Or shot out of a catapult at a wall. And then he would like look at me to see my reaction. I'd be like, well, those, those things don't have anything to do with each other, Jay. <laughs> and he would go, well, yeah, I, you know, I think I'd rather be shot at a catapult at a wall because then you're just dead. You're just dead. That's what happens. And I'm like, I don't, what? I don't want to think about this. <laughs> Why would, why would you bring this up for me to think about Jay Harris? This is this is crazy talk. <laughs> would you rather? I loved it. I had not played a game like that since I was probably like thirteen years old with my buddies in in uh, in the lunchroom in West Middle School. Shout out to all my West Middle School alumni, alum alumni, alumnus, alumnies, alumnes, alumnis. Yeah, well, anyway, it was in a unique road gig. And so here's the thing. We did 30 minutes, uh, or I did 30 minutes, rather, at La Crosse, Wisconsin, and crushed at a place called Piggies. They were great. Uh, you know, Z93, uh, the guy, uh, man, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry in the morning from Z93, the real rock. Uh, I don't know that's if that's their catchphrase or not. He was a great dude. He was a very nice. He was super wasted, I think, when we got there. I wasn't sure. Did see him double fisting a little bit. So there was clearly, you know, he was clearly on the, his put, his foot was on the gas anyway. And we showed up. He uh, he said to me, so what? Okay, so is it Brendan or Brandon? And I appreciated that. I thought, this is a guy who's at least trying to be a professional, trying to make it look like there's some veneer of professionalism. And I said, it's Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-O-N, Brendan. And he goes, great. And what are your credits, man? And I was like, uh, yeah, you, you know, I was, on, I was on the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I've uh, been on TLC before. Uh, you know, I was in a, a movie. And he was like, 
okay. And then he went out to introduce me when the show started. And he's like, hey, man, I'm Jerry from I'm Jerry from Z93, The Rock. Uh, the next com the guy's the comic. He's coming up here. He's got a name. His name. Uh, you're about to hear it, and let me tell you something. He was from Scot. He went to Scotland, and his name. It's uh, it's it's Brandon, and he said it like that, like Brandon, Brandon. Like he couldn't like remember, and he was splitting the difference in the in the center of that phoneme. It's Brandon, and then he like pointed at me, and that was my intro. And he was like, "Hey, go ahead." <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks, thanks so much. Uh, I walked up, and yeah, thanks so much, Michael Buffer, for that introduction. Walked up and grabbed the mic and was like, oh, "Thanks, guys." Did thirty minutes of comedy. They loved me. It was amazing. The people of La Crosse, Wisconsin are some of the nicest individuals who have ever walked the earth. They laughed so hard. They they loved me. They loved Jay Harris even more. But they really loved me, and they loved my material, and I, my CrossFit joke got an applause break, and all was right with the world. It was fantastic. Uh, the next day at Fifield, Wisconsin, they could not have hated me more. <laughs> they were very uncomfortable as I told them jokes. They did not really understand what a comedy show was. Uh, they were sitting there looking at me strangely. They were not laughing. I kept pointing at them and going, yes, do you understand? People would not get it. They were very uncomfortable with all of my material. And uh, that was strange. That's comedy for you. Did 30 minutes at Crushed on Friday. Did, did 22 minutes because I cut eight because I was like, man, they're not enjoying this. That bombed terribly on Saturday so you know the see the thing is comedians always talk about you got to get your time that just it kills everywhere it kills in front of you know an 80 room full of 80 year olds it crushes in front of a room full of 20 year old college students I don't know man such a thing just pro I don't think it exists there's no I mean you can write as much and perform as much as you want some times you're just not going to translate and uh maybe that's me sounding like a real green comic but sometimes it's just not your cup of tea and who knows why i mean the people of fifield they like jay but he um you know he it was a uphill battle for him too and i think they finally here's the difference i think they finally accepted about 25 to 30 minutes into jay's set that they were like you know what he's just gonna he's doing it he's just gonna go He's doing his material, and he's not going to stop. And we have to either leave and deal with that weird social pressure or get on board with the fact that this guy is doing comedy at us. And I think they finally just went, okay, we're going to do the, we're doing the second thing. And I was a little bit afraid, I should say, to uh, to really push it with that audience because I was, I was kind of opening for Jay, so I felt like I didn't want to really blow the audience out. If it had been me, like I was in Edinburgh, I would have nosed into the awkwardness and it would have either sprung the trap or it would have caused people to collapse. But I would have been okay with it. Um, that's what I did in Edinburgh. And I was afraid to do it for Jay because I was trying to be a professional. And he was okay with it. They were fine with it. I mean, it was awkward for me and I bombed. But I think they were fine with him. And it was, again, an uphill battle, but he won him over in the end, and they were very happy they came. And after that show, people were like, oh, you did a great job. And I was like, you're a fucking liar. 
<laughs> you are a liar, sir, madam. Well, that's that's it for road gigs. A twenty-five minute aside on this podcast, we've got some time left, and I just wanted to talk about Christmas. Christmas, as you get older, is a uh, is just another day of the year. <laughs> In fact, the older you get, the more of an obligation it becomes. And you know, I I should probably address this because we have some somewhat of a of an international audience here, and uh, particularly for you um, for you uh, Indians. I should say Christmas in the United States is a completely, completely ridiculous extravaganza. It's way too much. I, I mean, straight, straight off. It is way too much. It's hard to even, I mean, it's just people spend vast amounts of money. They stand in lines forever and they, uh, they do this trying to get, you know, they, they say, what do you want? Do you need a gift? Everybody needs to get a gift. What are you going to get me? What am I going to get you? And it's, it's funny because, uh, you know what? The, probably the thing that matters most in the holiday is spending time with people who you really love, and hopefully getting them something. If you want to give gifts, that's meaningful to them in one way or another. Uh, I think at, at its best, that's what Christmas offers. Um, at its worst, it's a uh, kabuki theater of American brands that have insinuated themselves in between every relationship you have in your life. And you have to fucking, you just gotta do something. You, you gotta spend the money to get past the emotional baggage that the holiday has bequeathed to you. So, this holiday was pretty decent. We went back to Michigan, western Michigan. Drove through a fucking snowstorm on the way out of Chicago. And a snowstorm on the way back. So this, so I got after driving for six and a half hours. I get back at three thirty in the morning on Sunday morning, Saturday night, the twenty third, twenty fourth, respectively. And uh, I get home. I immediately go to bed. We get up at nine thirty in the morning. There was already a bunch of snow on the back porch, <laughs> and I just felt tense immediately. And I turned to Gloria, uh, and I was like, "Listen." We got to, I got to get out. We got to get out of here. I got to go. I got to get out of here. We got to get back on the road. <laughs> we got to go back on the road and get back to my parents' house. Uh, and the whole thing was, it was just intense. Driving through the snowstorm, going out of Chicago with just everybody's driving 20. And people don't know what to do. They're just hitting, they're tapping their brakes for no reason. Why are you tapping your brakes, man? Oh, there's snow on the ground. It's just, it's... It was sheer madness. Took five hours, got to Manistee, Michigan. Uh, saw my grandparents, lovely people. They were like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. My grandfather, he's almost 90 years old, man. This is his 87th Christmas. 87th Christmas. Think about that. 87 Christmases, man. He's a wonderful man, Phil, uh, uh, Bill Rowland. He's, he's wonderful. And uh, saw him, gave him a hug. He was like, we're so happy to see you, Bren. And I said, I'm happy to see you guys too. Now, if you'll please excuse me, I need to go pound some alcohol. <laughs> Been on the road for five hours after six hours of sleep, six hours in the car, 30 minutes in front of a crowd who hated me in Fifield, four and a half more hours in the car with Jay Harris asking me whether I'd be shot into a wall with a catapult or eaten alive by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> then 
30 minutes in a crowd that loved me in Fifield, Wisconsin, and four and a half more hours in a car from Chicago. Grandma and Grandpa, I love you so much, but I, I need a drink. I need alcohol in my bloodstream. <laughs> oh, and they, you know, and here's how I know my grandparents love me because they looked at me and they said, yes, you do. Yes, you do, Brendan. And I don't know if that's because they love me or because I come from a long line of alcoholics. But, uh, you know, what can I say? It's pragmatism. If it works, do it. So that was basically the holidays with me. That was the holidays and the road gigs. Uh, I didn't even get to talk about some of the other things I wanted to talk about here, like uh, our friend Laura's cat uh, holiday card. We got a Jesus. I'll just address this for one minute. If you have a lot of cats, go get help. Okay? If you're living on your own and you have more cats in your apartment than you have friends who have visited you in your apartment within the last month, go get help. There's a there's got to be a hotline somewhere. Go to the store, buy a, a, a copy of Cat Fancy magazine, open to the back, and see if there's a half-page ad for someone who can help you, okay? Because this is, it's, I'm, you know what, here's the thing. You don't even know how it's damaging your life, all right? You don't want to be the person who, who is sending a, a Christmas card to your friends who are then going on their podcast and talking about how you sent them a Christmas card of all your cats and, uh, and all of their names and a little newsletter about how they're all doing, okay? I, I am urging you, audience member, don't do that. <laughs> I just think, you know what I mean? Take care of your life. I know that, like, look, we all need love, and we all need to give love, and that's wonderful. But, you know, try to make it have be humans as much as you can. You know what I mean? At least not to an unhealthy level, not humans. Like, have some of it be humans. You know, if you need a having eight cats is not going to make up for the fact that you feel lonely when you go to bed at night. <laughs> we, we love I want to make this very clear. Uh, our friend Laura is a lovely person. I shouldn't even mention her by name. I mean, she doesn't listen. Fuck her. She doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Statistically. <laughs> oh, I'm so going to hear about this. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, just try to, try to, try to be good to yourself and, uh, and, and try to address your real problems. Okay. Don't send out a cat Christmas card, <laughs> but if you do, please send it to me. Oh man, please send it to me. Message me on Cora. I mean, Cora. Yeah. Message me on Cora or on SoundCloud. I will send you my address. You can send us a cat Christmas card. Oh, my God, you guys. That is time for us. Uh, let me tell you something. I love you very much. Thank you for listening. Thank you, all eight or nine of you who have listened to this episode. Hopefully from India. Hopefully from the UK. Hopefully Vladimir V. Putin. I hope you got my Christmas card. It had 100 cats on it. And uh, t- take care. I will talk to you into the new year. Again, please, you know, obviously subscribe uh, or or don't. I don't give a shit. And then review this with five stars or one star. I don't care. And then finally, leave a great, great review 
if you can give me five stars and leave a sarcastic review, I will be your best friend for life and send you all the cat Christmas cards. Be well. Take care. Uh, hug somebody. Take a drink. Uh, try to have a good uh, New Year. Please, please don't hurt yourself. I mean that sincerely. Uh, I don't want any to lose any. I need every one of you podcast listeners, all 12 of you. I need all of you. So I cannot possibly lose one of you to drinking and driving. So please be smart and safe. Uh, be well. Meanwhile, the madness continues.